Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. So in this week's episode of Bite Size Biohacks, I'm going to be talking all about how to exercise through perimenopause and beyond into menopause and really what's happening. So as we go through perimenopause, we're going to go on a bit of a swing in terms of estrogen. And the main estrogen that we produce in our cycling years is actually known as estradiol. Now, estradiol has many benefits as long as you don't have too much estrogen dominance. And its benefits really relate to um, muscle growth and strength, which is really important for helping with insulin sensitivity and maintaining body composition. It's also really important because it acts on myosin, which is a protein that acts as a kind of motor behind the muscle contractions and the force. So what we see as is that as estradiol starts to reduce, we see reduced power and force in terms of our workouts. Estradiol also affects the mitochondria and it helps specifically sweep out free radicals um, that can be caused by excess exercise, for example, but any exercise actually causes oxidative stress. And so estradiol really helps in that regard and helps us to develop stronger mitochondria. Now, the more mitochondria you have and the better mitochondria quality you have, the better your energy is going to be. And that's one of the things that I hear many women struggle with when they come to me in perimenopause is struggling with their energy. The other thing is that as we go through perimenopause, we tend to, in the last three to four years, building up to that menopausal transition, what we see is weight gain. And many women will complain of weight gain, but the weight gain itself is actually more gradual. The more dramatic thing that we see is actually a reduction in lean muscle tissue and also an increase in fat mass. Now, this is a difficult combination because as lean mass starts to go down, that in and of itself reduces metabolic rate and can lead to um, more fat fat gain. The other thing that's quite problematic is we tend to see weight go on around the abdominal area. Now the abdominal area uh, where we have visceral fat is more dangerous um, because it's in and around the organs but the fat there actually also has more cortisol receptors and that can trigger actually more cortisol production which in turn leads to more fat storage uh, which, which can be very difficult to handle. Also the anxiety that comes with the increase in cortisol and the reduction that we see in progesterone during the perimenopausal years. But there are things that you can do to really help to manage this, um, to promote better insulin sensitivity, which again is something that estradiol helps with because not only does it promote insulin sensitivity, it also regulates something known as GLUT4, which is a mechanism that allows glucose to be moved into your muscle tissue as opposed to fat cells without triggering insulin, which is really helpful. It also promotes satiety and almost acts like leptin in a way, which is a satiety hormone to help you feel fuller. It manages our moods, our body temperature, our blood pressure, which is why we can see increases in blood pressure as we poach um, menopause. We also see um, uh, more hot flashes and things as we have difficulty controlling our body temperature. Now, progesterone, which is kind of sneaking out the back door during those perimenopausal years, has been shown to increase BDNF, which is like miracle growth for our brains um, and helps to uh, produce new neurons and also just helps with things like working memory, for example. Um, and progesterone has also been shown alongside estradiol to increase bone density. So you can see all these lovely benefits that we have when we have good optimal levels of estrogen and progesterone start to fall away during perimenopause. And this can make it really hard for women to handle because what we notice is reductions in energy because of the effects on mitochondria. We see more fat mass, a loss in lean mass um, going down, so lean muscle tissue going down, a loss 
loss in bone density, increasing anxiety, difficulty sleeping. But specifically in today's episode of Bite Size Biohacks, what I want to help you with is how you can use exercise as a mechanism to right some of these things, because exercise is actually an incredibly powerful tool. So the first thing that I would say is you want to have I guess three different forms of exercise that you're really focusing on through perimenopause. The first one is to strength train. And you probably hear me talk about this a lot, but to strength train around two to three times a week. And what you want to do is provide sufficient stimulus because we no longer have that stimulus of estrogen as it starts to drop down. Um, we have less stimulus, should I say. So we want to strength train and we want to lift heavy. Now, if you're someone who hasn't been exercising, you're not gonna be able to lift heavy straight away. So my advice would be to work with a trainer, but also to build build up to this and make sure you strengthen your core, so your abdominal area and your back to make sure you have a really strong core before you start lifting very heavy weights. So start with higher repetition weight training and less weights and focusing on that core stability, um, working in rep ranges of kind of 12 to 20, and then you can drop down to sort of eight to 12. And then when you're ready, you can get into the heavier lifting. And again, I would advise doing this with someone who can really monitor your form. Now, the heavy lifting really is six, uh, six repetitions or less, and you want to be including some of that. My suggestion here, so that you don't overstress the joints, is that you use that on your compound lifts. So this would be things like squats, deadlifts, rows, um, overhead shoulder press, uh, would be good ones, and also a bench press. Those would be the kind of five key exercises. If you're someone that's looking for aesthetics, then you want to work on the smaller muscles as well. But with those, because they are smaller muscle groups, we want to just be doing higher repetition training. So focus on that heavy lifting on your big compound exercises once you've worked up to that two to three times a week. And then you can do higher repetition for things like biceps, triceps, you know, lateral raises, other exercises that you do. The other thing that's, and now, now actually by doing that and increasing muscle mass, you're gonna be helping to improve insulin sensitivity. But there's a couple of other forms of exercise that I want to touch on that are really important as well. And one of those is plyometric training. Now plyometric training is really, really important because it helps to enhance bone density. Um, it also has been shown to improve your metabolism at rest. So you're actually going to be burning more calories at rest. At rest. So you can incorporate this, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily need to say, right, I'm going to factor in a certain number of plyometric sessions a week, because that can be hard when you're already busy and you've got lots of things going on. My suggestion would be if you can timetable a session in a week, then fantastic. And plyometrics would be things like skipping, jumping, um, depth jumps where you jump off a box or you jump onto a box would be the other alternative. Things like burpees, um, all of those kind of high intensity work that involve an element of jumping or plyometric training. Now you can actually incorporate that into your day, which is a really easy way to do it. And it's the way that I tend to do it. So every time I get up when I've been working for maybe 45 minutes, an hour, I will just stop and do some burpees or do a little bit of skipping or do some jumping jacks. And that way I'm just working plyometric training into my week. And actually the benefits have been shown that if you can do 10 minutes of plyo three times a week, you'll go a long way to really helping improve these things that we're talking about. So it doesn't have to be a separate schedule uh, session. You could just be building it into your day, which can be really, really beneficial, both in terms of time and actually getting that work done. And then the last thing I want you to think about is high intensity interval training, but specifically really high intensity, where you're going on a rate of perceived exertion 
where 10 is all out, actually want you to be working between a nine and a 10. And what's been shown to be really good here is actually sprint interval training. This doesn't have to be running on a track, for example, particularly if you're not a keen runner or you have any kind of knee issues or other joint issues, you can do this on a bike. And actually it's almost been shown to be better on a bike. But the benefits of sprint interval training is that it increases lean muscle mass, it reduces fat mass and has been shown to reduce belly fat and it lowers cortisol as well as helping you burn more calories at rest. It's also been shown to enhance BDNF, which as I said, was like miracle growth for your brain. So you're gonna be getting these fantastic benefits of better cognition, better working memory and speed of thinking as well. Um, it's also been shown to stimulate something called endothelial growth factor, which helps with your blood vessels and makes them more responsive. That again will help to improve blood pressure. It helps to improve cardiovascular health and can also help to reduce things like hot flashes if you're suffering with those. Sprint interval, interval training has also been shown to increase testosterone and to decrease estrone, which is actually the form of estrogen that's um, formed by our fat cells, and to counter effect, counteract sorry, the effects of cortisol. So, so many benefits of sprint interval training. And um, as I say, it helps you burn more calories at rest as well. So how can you work this in? Again, it doesn't have to be a lot. We don't want to be doing lots and long work of high intensity training. You just won't be able to go hard enough if that's what you're doing. So these sessions actually, again, can be very short. So you really want to warm up well, five to 10 minutes um, at least, or really more like 10 to 15 minutes. So your body's really nice and warm. And then what you do is you go all out for a short period of time and then recover. Now, some recommendations of how you could do this is you could do cycling sprints where you do all out for 30 seconds and then you rest for 30 seconds, all out for 30 seconds, rest for 30 seconds, and then you repeat that through 10 times, for example. The other thing that you can do is to increase more recovery. The important thing is that you can go hard when you're doing these sprints. So if actually you need to recover for one minute or two minutes or even four minutes, um, then take the recovery you need and then go really hard again and work up to something like 10 repetitions. You might be starting with actually three because the important thing is really to create that stimulus and go hard. And that's been shown to improve mitochondrial health as well. So that actually is gonna help to give you more energy. Some other ways you might do it that are really super time efficient is to do what known as Tabata. This was created by Izumi Tabata who worked with the Olympic ice skaters and he found that by doing 20 seconds of really hard output work followed by a 10 second recovery repeated eight times really helped them get fit uh, and there's lots of science behind that technique. So what you do is you just pick one exercise. Now that could be that you're doing it on a bike for example or it could be that you're doing something like Tabata training in the form of kettlebell swings or any kind of sp outdoor sprint training if you're if you're joints are up to it and you're a runner and you, you can do that well, or you could do it on a treadmill, you could do it on a rowing machine. And you basically do 20 seconds of really hard work followed by 10 seconds of recovery and repeat that eight times. So it's a maximum of four minutes, but over time you can woke up to two or three rounds. So that would be another example. You, as I say, you can do things like kettlebell swings, but really that's what you want to be doing. And if you want to make it even more time efficient, then you can put that high intensity or sprint interval training on the end of your heavy lifting session. And that will just make it more time efficient really in terms of not working too much into your week. So those are the three key things really to target those issues, to improve insulin sensitivity, to reduce fat mass, to reduce cortisol, to enhance lean mass, to activate more GLUT4 and take the pressure off having always to use insulin um, and to really enhance your body composition and your bone density is to include sprint interval training, keep those sessions really short, um, two to three times a week, 
Include some plyometric work. Again, 10 minutes three times a week has been shown to be really, really good. You can work that into your day in little bits, as I've mentioned, and then to do some strength training, so some lifting heavy weights if you can, again, a couple of times a week. And then if you really want the aesthetics, you can do some of those more isolation exercises that you would do higher rep ranges with lower weights. So those are kind of my tips in terms of getting through perimenopause. I hope they're helpful for you. Every week I'm on here doing bite-sized biohacks to really help you get some um, hacks and tips and tricks that you can use to change your life in a short bullet episode. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.